What's up, Nisi? What's happening? I love the music. <laughs> oh, man, I love it too, sister. Uh-oh, look. We love it so much, it's starting again. See what I told you, DC? What I tell you? What What did I tell you, huh? This is how we roll. <laughs> this is how we roll. I forgot I had it on repeat. <laughs> if it can happen, it'll happen to CL King. So thank you, Nisi, for being here. Uh, I'm going to let you take over from here and just give a kind of an intro about yourself. Tell what you're doing and, you know, treat it like it's your show because it is, sister. All right. All right. Well, first of all, let me say I am very honored to, for you to allow me on your platform. Uh. Yes. In Acting Life 24-7, um, allowing me to come onto your platform to sit with you, to interview you on your new book, which I am so proud of you. Um, I'm, you have no idea. So I'm, I'm extremely proud of you to, you know, be able to release this new book, um, Who Ate My Brownie? Um, but a little bit about me, I am an author as well. So I know you know, what you are going through. The struggle. Yes, the struggle is real. <laughs> it's real, sister. <laughs> um, but, you know, I am a three-time author as well. Um, grandmother, wife, mother, just trying to make it, trying to push through life and do what I do. Um, but it ain't about me tonight. So we're not going we're not going to get too deep. We're going to get into uh dealing with you and what you got going on. Okay, all right. All okay, right. okay. Mm -hmm. So um again, I'm I'm extremely proud that uh Who Ate My Brownie is coming to life and it will be born mm -hmm. on the 19th. On the 19th of November, it will be we should probably yes. make it an international holiday, sister. <laughs> yes, let's do that. Let's do that. All right. <laughs> So let's go ahead and get into your interview. Um, so I'm sure people are anxious about knowing about Mr. King. Well, let's let's get into that first. People who do not know who CL King is, why don't you tell them a little bit about? You him? know, when you walk into the room, that's I told my son that that one day he's gonna walk into the room. He's gonna walk into rooms where he's not required to have an introduction. That's when you know you're there, sister. You know yes. what I mean? That's when you know you're there. Right. When you walk in the room and everybody know who you is. But I, right. I ain't in that status yet. Uh, <laughs> I, I strive to be there for, for, but not for personal gain, but because this mission is so important to me. I really, everything else beside my wife, children, and grandchildren has become secondary. What I do now is I travel this country. I've been traveling the country now since 20. 08 2009 officially uh with a message about you can make it no matter the adversity and i created a nonprofit. i've uh, we've formed a llc a ceo of this llc and i've got kind of four areas that i focus on you know number one is the spoken message i believe that being in the presence of people can inspire them. Now, it's, it's short-lived. I understand being a speaker. I understand it's short-lived. But, man, there's something about when somebody just comes and shakes your crates, man, just rocks your world, that inspires you, that captures the moment in the room. And that's what I've been doing. Uh, when I remember when I handed out surveys, Nisi, because I wanted to be all, you know what I mean, sophisticated <laughs> and all that, right? I used to hand out surveys to these hopty-topty educational folks, and they'd come back and they'd say, man, you're awful loud on my surveys. You know what I mean? They, 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 I got that as a survey. 
And then one said, oh, there was an error on your, your PowerPoint. And so I, it really almost sank me because I took it so hard. Well, no, there's a couple of things that I do now. I don't do PowerPoints, and I'm still just as loud as ever. You know what I mean? I'm probably louder. Um, so the, 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 I, I'm an I'm a impact motivator. That's what they call me, the impact motivator. I'm not a motivational speaker. I believe that when I come into the room, my job and assignment is to make an impact. Secondly, I am a podcast host. I've had you on, and look at you. You're on our platform here at Impact Life 24-7, and we have a show that is carried or downloaded in 47 states, 31 countries, and 30 different platforms, Nisi. Wow, that's it was, amazing. It was not like that when I first started. Samson, my golden retriever, wouldn't even listen to the show. And, <laughs> and what I've told you, and I told you this in the pre-show, which the pre-show was so fun, we should have just recorded it, um, is that I've spent, the, I've spent since 2019 promoting everybody else. Right. I have I have opened up this platform. I have taken risks on people that I knew very little about to bring them to a cathedral of resources. And now I'm at a I'm at a point. I'm at the nexus where, okay, I need y'all to back me up. And so Impact Life 24-7 is truly about that. Uh, we, that's what we focus on. The third area is I, I, in a smaller setting, I am a master life coach. And I, I coach people on a couple different topics. My coaching topics are two very specific areas that I walk people through that they already have within themselves. Number one is how to get in gear. Number two is the grind mode. Number three, which is very important to me, is fatherhood. Right? Fatherhood okay. is important. Would you not say that, Nisi? Can the church it's say that? It's very amen? important. Yeah, it's very Absolutely. important. And so I, I, I coach on those three areas. And then finally, I have went through, like you say, I have went through the pains of how to produce a work. So now I'm going to go and re replicate those skills in other people to teach them how to produce their own work. Wow. Yeah. That was a mouthful. <laughs> and I know you're going to do that because you are a go-getter. And when you put your mind to something, I know that everything you do, touch, it comes to fruition. And I love that about you. You are so, you're just, you're just about business. I, that's the only thing I can, you're about your business, period. And I love that about you. I love that about you. And you you really try to instill a lot of that in me. Like you really go in on me. Yeah, I <laughs> like, do. People don't know how hard you go in on me. And I'm the oldest. She is the oldest, and she's she's definitely <laughs> the cutest cousin. But 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 what I recognize is is this man. I, and let me just let me just say this. Let me parenthetically insert this. I told you this in the pre-show that we in the 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 creative space community, and more specifically in the black community, right. We have got to go from being consumers to producers. I don't need to be consuming your chitlins. I need to go get me a pig and sell that mug so all y'all can eat chitlins, right? right? And I can create generational wealth. 
Right. So the reason why I push you so hard sometimes, I'm, I thought I was kind of gentle, but the reason why I push <laughs> is because I know that you are a consumer by nature. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're an entrepreneur by nature. You got the bug and you got the skills. So that's why I do that. Well, nothing wrong with it. I ain't mad at you. <laughs> it's all good. All right. So let's get into this. Um, who ate my brownie? Um, let me ask you, what actually prompted you to title that book, Who Ate My Brownie? Man, that's a great question, Nisi. You are such a great interviewer, by the way. <laughs> the reason I was I was toying around with, you know, how to overcome adversity, right? That was going to be because everything was centered around at the adversity of my childhood, right? So titles like How to Overcome Adversity or, you know, Adversity versus Triumph, you know what I mean, or something like that. And I was actually being interviewed in Sweden. And, I, you know, I said, you know what? What about if the title was The Question That Changed Everything? And the lady was like, what? And her name is Vera. I said, what if it was who ate my brownie? Because that was the question that really set in motion the transformation for my entire life. Had my mom not asked that question, who ate my brownie? Had I not eaten the brownie that was brought from the soup kitchen by her husband and I snuck in and ate that brownie at night? Had I not been so afraid of getting beat when she said, I'm going to beat you guys every day till someone tells me who ate my brownie. That set in motion the very next day, Nisi, for me to run away from home. And all the precipitous events after that are how I got to be here. So I said, it makes sense. It was, and look, look, Nisi. Everybody has a brownie in their life. You have one, right? It's called that moment where you say enough is enough. Is enough. Jesus, I feel the Holy Ghost. When, when, when enough is enough. And I said, I am not getting beat with that. Because I didn't get we didn't get beat with a traditional belt, sister. We got beat with something that I still have the welts at 47. And I said, man, when she said, I'm going to beat y'all every day until you tell me who ate my brownie, my sister didn't need it. And I punched out. I walked out the front door, left it wide open and never returned. Wow. That's what prompted it, because I wanted people to feel when we get into the dialogue, you know, because everybody's like, oh, is this like who ate my cheese? You know, it's like a leadership book. Who ate my cheese? Uh-huh. I'm like, no, it ain't that. No, it's not that. And, and But it has prompted so many questions. Like, so what is this book about? And right. that is what it is. It's really about the choice that we made to stop being abused. Right. Well, you know, there's a lot of authors out here who are wanting to write their story, um, but not knowing how to do it or mm-hmm. when to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, out of fear of, you know, being scared, um, yeah. you know, the, the backlash they may receive. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people won't do what they should do, right. you know, tell their story. You're right. Um, when did you realize it was time for you to tell your story? Well, you know, what happened, Nisi, is that my vice president and very best friend, you know, his name, 
Greg Smith. Greg Smith. Smith, right? Greg. Man, he <laughs> he is the polar opposite of me, right? Like he is so chill, so not wanting to be out front, so behind the scenes. And here's this loud mouth, you know what I mean, clown. Right. <laughs> and he joined with me at a Golden Corral. We we kind of basically wrote out our plan on the back of a napkin. Nobody knew us. We didn't have no we didn't have no platform. And and um we traveled around speaking everywhere. Some years I did 80 events a year while still holding a full-time job and just travel everywhere, everywhere. Chicken dinners, I'll speak for a chicken dinner. I'll speak for a leg and a thigh. I, you know what I mean? I, I was out there telling my story, but I was telling bits of it, mm-hmm. right? You can't, you can't go from cover to cover in a 30 to 40-minute speech. Right. And right. so it was Greg who said, Chris, you need to write the book. You need to write the book. It is going to be the difference maker in this whole empire that you, that God is helping you build. It's a movement. It it is not something that I'm trying to shovel glory on myself, but it truly is a movement. And Greg Uh said, you've got to do it. And so when I started, when I started thinking about that and ruminating on it, I said, well, then why write the book? I don't know if that's a question you have, but why write the book? is because not just for those that it's going to help, but right. for those that will be born when I'm dead. The greatest way an author can affect those who are yet to be born when they are in the grave is to write a book. That is the truth. It's powerful, isn't it? And so that is I, the truth. I don't know my dad. I don't know my I don't know my dad's side. There's all these family secrets. There's this there's this mountain of of secrecy. And so at least for my kids, they will know, hey man, dad even put us through some hell, but at least we understand what our family lineage went through to get here. And so Greg inspired right. me, and then I realized it was time and the moment is now, and that's why we're seizing it. Right. Yeah. You know, we sometimes we jump out there and we do things um, be f- prematurely. Let me just say that. That's right. And sometimes when we do that, well, I'm not going to say sometimes all the time when people do that, what they're trying to do fail. Yeah. So when God says it's time. Yes. That's when it's going to be perfect. Well, nothing is ever perfect, right. but that's when it's right. That's right. That's when it's going to be right. To everything so, there is a season, yeah. to everything there Absolutely. is a time and a purpose under heaven. So you're right, Nisi. Absolutely. Um, so being a first-time author, um, what was the toughest part about writing um, and publishing your own book? You, you made that singular. Why didn't you just say what is the toughest parts? <laughs> Did I say part? Oh, no, no, oh, so okay, no, so there's a lot of parts I, to it. I can just tell you this: <laughs> that as a speaker, I can go into a room and I can speak for thirty to forty-five minutes, and people think I'm the greatest since sliced bread. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't have to show them my notes. I don't have to give them sources. I don't have to show them that that my all my when I go give a speech, I still use paper and I got probably a thousand errors on the paper. Right. But when I deliver it, it is touching the soul. The total opposite is the case for writing a book. (laughs) Right. So the toughest part to me was 
going from being behind the scenes at at uh, Barnes and Noble with a coffee and a latte and my headphones on, listening to the '80s music so I could get in the mood to write. <clears throat> the toughest part is now was now giving it over to other people because then I became vulnerable and I was exposed <laughs> in multiple ways. I was vulnerable because of my because of my writing skills, my spelling skills, my my voicing skills, mm-hmm. right? They weren't judging the stories. If I go give a keynote speech about this, they're going to be like, that's the best speech I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. But because I just typed, that's all I did. That's all I did. I didn't even edit as I was going along. So when, when the first edit came uh, in Grammarly, they said, you've got 50,000 errors in this thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so the editing, as Dr. Skip Mondragal from the Army said, the magic is in the editing. And that was the most painful part of this whole process. Because yeah. just when you think it's good, you go back and you're like, mm, I told you some mm-hmm. secrets today that we won't reveal to everybody. But just, right. when, just when you think you've, you've gone through edit number four, and you kind of you open that book with fear and trepidation because you're like, am I going to find something that that's wrong? Right. I, I feel like what we talked about, I feel like, Nisi, it's like cooking for guests. When you cook for your family, you know what I mean? If you lick your fingers while you stir in the pot, you good. <laughs> right. But, but but when you have guests, your house clean, everything in their place, you you make sure you got plastic gloves right. on. You know what I mean? And so it's right. a different dynamic. And I felt I felt like so vulnerable because I had to take the criticism, which is editing, of my story. It went from being, hey, that's a great speech to now this is terrible. And that was the hardest part was letting people expose my inability to tell it right and work with me to get Uh it so people could read it. That was the hardest part. Right. Well, speaking of, um, I heard a little birdie actually told me Uh that Santa visited your house today. (laughs) He visited you today. How he gets to come to your house today? It ain't nowhere near December. And he delivered you a package. What did you get? (laughs) What did you receive today? You you know what, Nisi? I'm so glad you asked. It's interesting that anybody would want to know. That's Brian Popa, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we use Brian Popa's music by permission. I don't just be like, uh, I don't have the rights to this song. I don't post stuff like that. Brian Popa <laughs> is an international gospel recording. Woo, Jesus. He's an international gospel recording artist. And uh, we say reach out to him at his cash app as well as uh, his Venmo and I'll just let me do this real quick, Nisi, because I believe in doing things right. Let me give his cash app to everybody so that you can go and bless him. And he he says that's all we need to do is just give him credit uh, when we play his music. And so how do I get to where I've already paid people I've already paid so I could tell you his cash app? What do I, where do I go, Nisi? Do I go to the sign, the house? Where do you I go, go to? Oh, there it is. You have to look at it. There it is. It. Okay, I got it. Uh, his cash app is... Uh, Brian Popin. Okay, so B-R-Y-A-N-P-O-P-I-N. Or here's how you do it. Dollar sign, B-R-Y-A-N-P 
P-O-P-I-N. And so uh, thank you, Brian. He, I reached out to him in 2020, Nisi, at the height of the, the pandemic. Nobody was touring. Nobody, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I uh, reached out to his folks and they said, yeah, as long as you just can give us credit. And uh, if there's an offering or a love offering that you guys can do, do it. And so that's why I continue. But um, yeah, love Brian. Yes. And what a gr- what great way to intro the book, huh? Th- there it is. Yes, he, I love it. I love the cover. Yeah, man, it's, that, it. it's sharp. And uh, I'm going to give Digi, Digipod a shout because they're the company that I'm using to print. And uh, I work with them, Nisi, exclusively. They, I mean, I call them, I've called them like 15 times. And uh, we go back, fix stuff, re-upload. And they're they're very, very good to work with. And very, good. very, very economical. Good. It looks really good. I'm so proud. As I stated before, I'm very proud of you. Now, make sure you get that book for me out of the box. I don't want the one that you just threw on the couch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just need you to know that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I believe oh, that God's God. going to make it so that that I can do that. You know, I, yeah. I can't do it right now, but I, oh, I know that. But <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, I believe that one day I'll be able to just go to events and throw them out in the audience. You know, yeah, that's one day I'm, you will be able to do that. Yeah, that's absolutely the, that's the goal. So, um, let's get back into your your uh, story uh-huh. and uh, find out a little bit more. Um, so, when you will start when you started writing your book, um, you know when you write stories like you and I have, uh-huh. sometimes we feel like, uh, I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't say that because there may be some repercussions behind that. Right. And sometimes that will stop you from wanting to put your story out. Yeah. Um, but did you ever think about any of the backlash that you may receive or repercussions that could come from writing this book? You know, that's a that's a very great question. I think I asked you that question, too. Um, When you're talking about a story of, you know, physical abuse and sexual abuse by family members, it it, it is a tough story to tell. Mm -hmm. I'm at the stage where the, the characters in the book that created the most offense, only one of them is alive. Okay, that's my mother. And in writing this, I had to write it in a way that didn't sound like an angry person. Kind of like the way you wrote your book. You know what I mean? The, the voice of it is just simply telling the story, right? right? So never was it, even against my dad, even against my grandmother who locked me out in the wintertime garage outside, the detached garage, I never, all I did was state the facts and, and maybe ask questions like, I wonder why they feel this way about me or I, why is this happening to me? Right. But it never was my dad was a terrible dad or my mom was a terrible mom. So, so at this stage, I've written the story from my perspective and it's not an attack. So I don't, I feel, I feel at peace and I feel God's release on letting it out. Okay. Because I I would even feel comfortable with my mother reading it because it's just true statements. Right. Right. Um, That's one thing when writing a book like this, um, you know, sometimes you have to think about others, Yeah. but at the same time, it is your story. Yeah. 
is absolutely your story and no one can take that from you. Right. And so to put it out there, regardless to how whoever's in the book may feel, right. You know, you can't be upset. And so they can't be upset because things have happened. And, right. you know, sometimes that's what's fearful for people. Sometimes people won't write because of them in fear of what somebody else might feel or the, the backlash they may get from that uncle or father or mother or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, that's where we have to go to God. We yeah. have to go, we have to pray. And once you're at peace with, with that, then it's time to do, you know move on and start telling your story. But that's one thing you can never, and what you were saying, you can't write with hate. Right. Um, I always, I always had prayed prior to me even writing mm. just a little bit, you yeah. know, Lord, is this the right thing to say? Right. Should I do this? Should I do that? You know, because, you know, you don't want to, you really don't want to make people look bad. Right. That's not the goal. That's, that's true. You know, Nisi, um, that's a great that's a great point because I talked about that in one section of the book. I talked about how some of the things that I was saying could sound really morbid. You know what I mean? Sound mm-hmm. like depressing. Like, good God, did anything good happen? Right? Seems like right. one thing after another after another. And I'm I'm you know when you write your story, it's a chronology, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like what you remember. But I said, not all stories have this picturesque white picket fence narrative. They don't. And so I said, though I'm working to make this palatable for you, I still have to remember that this is, I didn't ask for that story. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't ask for the living conditions I was in. And so me articulating that is, is, is it wasn't my fault. So it's that that's like, we can't victim blame because a victim comes out. Right, right. Well, you know, the story's out now and, you know, there's nothing anyone can say or do about it. Right. Um, except live with what you've put out and know that it's, it's truth. Right. I mean, I know there's truth. There's there's your side, their side, and then there's the middle. But at the end of the day, as long as you're at peace with what you have put on paper and what you put out to the world, that's all that matters at this point. Right. You know, because I, um, I because I said I think I said this in the book, Nisi, that um, even like about family secrets, like I was just uh-huh. I was probing family members just to try to find out who the heck my dad's dad was. Like, what's uh-huh. our generational tree? Right. Nobody knows. Not even people on my grandmother's side, who is my dad's mother. Nobody knows. No. Or uh-huh. nobody will tell me. And so it's like, listen, I don't need all the gory details. Mm-hmm. And and in the book, I didn't put all, <laughs> I didn't put a third of the gory. And I tried to make it so that it wasn't gory. It was, right. just, you know what I mean? Like I tried right. to make it so, like I didn't say these women raped me. You know what I mean? I, I used different language to, mm-hmm. to for you to be able to understand what happened to me without it being some Stephen King novel. Right. I don't think anybody can get as gruesome as Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so let me ask you, uh, what effect do you think your story has had on your family, particularly your children, if any? Well, they have seen. That's a great question. 
they have seen the effects of the hurricane, right? Without the hurricane actually being on landfall. I am very transparent in this book because a lot of people see me, bro, sister, I'm about to call you bro. A lot of people see me and they're like, oh, he's CL King. He's brought up here. He's there. He's done. You know what I mean? They see the public image, but they don't see the weekly trauma. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think this will help all of my kids bring some things together because I never went through therapy. You know what I mean? I went from, I went from homelessness, group home, foster home, foster home, church, North coast, military married. Right. And in every season I've been in, I've always succeeded at such a high level that people thought King is good. Right. But then behind like the title of your book behind closed doors, I was still having hurricane force winds and not really understanding why. Right. You know what I mean? Just be truthful. Um, right. And I never did any of the things that I write about in this book. I've never done any of those things to my children. None of them. Right. No sexual abuse, no physical abuse, not nothing like that. But I was not, the man and leader and dad that I was supposed to be on many occasions. Right. And um, so they got the, the wind, you see what I'm saying? They got the effects of a still broken man. You see, they didn't, they didn't know why dad is, is acting like this. Heck, I didn't even know why, what the heck is wrong with me. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. You know, I, I, I said, listen, I am fighting so hard to not become the people that I'm writing about. And in some cases, I've done the, I've totally failed. And this has been a revelation in this book that now my kids will understand. Hey, man, you know, you can go to the Lord. The Lord can take care of everything and you can still be depressed. That's true. You can go to church. You can shout your weave out. You can, your bobby pins can pop out of you. You know what I mean? All that. Take your heels off, and you can still go home and struggle with temptation. Yep. Right? And so so everybody is seeing me hop, operating at such a high level that they didn't know that, man, that, that dude has some hurricanes in him that never got dealt with. Never. And so uh-huh. for for my kids, I think this book, because you know, they experienced it living like some of the remnants of my behaviors that were due in part to the way I came up. Mm-hmm. They experienced some of the some of the peripheral winds of that. But now when they have this thing, this this weapon in their hand, they'll see, OK, now, now we, I understand. Now I mm. understand where we came from. Right. And, and that is my ultimate goal. Right. Yeah, it's always um, about protecting our kids. And, you know, sometimes we have to protect our kids from some of the things that we've gone through. And um, sometimes protecting them means shielding them from it, you know, keeping it from them. Sometimes it means telling them what happened. You know, I mean, sometimes it could hurt um, in the long run. Um, But the only thing we can do is pray that it helps and teaches them 
not to be who those people were, right. you know, um, right. it's, it's, it's a tough situation and nobody really knows how tough it is until they are really in that, in that predicament. No one knows. Um, you talk about it in your book, Nisi, that yeah. you had some self-destructive behaviors. Yes. Right. Yes. So did I, let yes. me say, let me say this better. So do I. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you try to figure out why. Right. And it's like, well, you know, when, when somebody's sexually abused at, at, at various ages by people that are in their family, mm-hmm. unless you've experienced it, you don't know the triggers and torment and, and right. total jacked upness going on in your mind. <laughs> Right? right. You don't know if what they did was right. You don't know if you felt right because they were doing it the whole nine. Right. And, exactly. and this is what I, this is why I speak to churches and say, man, listen, God is the God of peace. He can heal. He can deliver. He can do it all in an instant. I 100% believe it. But then there Absolutely. are, but then there are those that it is a lifelong, it, they never get to the end. It's a lifelong, right. it's a lifelong process of trying right. to heal and fix yourself. Exactly. Um, so at any point during you writing your book, um, did you ever want to stop because of the pain you had to relive? Yeah, I stopped for, for I think, 90 days, Nisi. Yeah, I know there was a period of time where you told me, yeah. uh, I'm not writing right now. Yeah. Why not? You know, yeah. you got a deadline. Well, I, I had to just I had <laughs> put to, it on the back burner. I had, to step, <laughs> I had to step away because it was taking me back to 1984, 85, 86. Mm-hmm. And um, so then I was having behaviors that would try to mute those traumatic feelings. All right. All right? Look, I'm yeah. just being straight up with you, man. I want everybody to know that C.L. King, though I love what I do, Man, I, I still got some jacked up issues, right? <laughs> but 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 the reality is, the reality is, is that when I put that book down and stepped away, I felt like Mom Plowden's echoing voice was in my ear. Because mm-hmm. she never endorsed quitting. You know, my last foster mom, Ruthie Plowden. I'm sitting in the Ruth E. Plowden legacy chair. I dedicate every speech that I give to Ruth E. Plowden. And one of the things Ruth E. Plowden never endorsed was quitting. That's right. And so I had to pick it back up because I was jealous of you. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> Listen to me, Nisi. We don't realize the work. That's why it's so important. That's why I want to get you back out there because it's so important. We don't give, we don't understand sometimes the value of the things that we're doing. We feel like, man, nobody cares. I'm, I'm insignificant. The work that I'm doing isn't working, but there's somebody out there that's watching. And they say, man, if Nisi can do it, and her story is, is, is treacherous, if Nisi can do it, then I can do it. And I saw you putting out book. Then the second book, I'm just like, well, my God, you're going to wait for me? I mean, like, <laughs> Lord, she got three books, ladies and gentlemen, before I got one. <laughs> I wasn't trying to move before you. I wasn't trying to move that fast. Sorry. Girl, no, no, no. You, but you talk about being driven. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to be working on my fourth and my fifth. So, you know. Thank you so much, Jensi. Jensi says everyone has something they don't admit they deal with. Who said that? 
Jency online. She said, "Every out okay. of Texas, everyone has something that they don't admit that they deal with." And yeah. um, you know, this is the thing, man. Uh, you can care. Listen, Nisi, listen to me. I'm talking to you like you're an audience. <laughs> they say, and I deal. I, I I cite this in the book. Two point five years old. They have tracked people that have the memory back to that age. Two and a half years old. Imagine carrying some sort of childhood trauma from two and a half to 47. Mm. See, see, so, so, so when people be like, oh, well, he's like this because, or she's like this because, or she's flipping out, or that <coughs> the behavior that they're displaying doesn't even right. align with the, with the message that they're speaking, right? You know, you, you like out here trying to help people, but then in, in reality, you're full of, of tornadoes yourself. Right. And what right. I say is, is that 2.5 years old, it, a, a, a toddler can capture and retain memories of adversity in their life. And then everybody sees them in the cubicles. Everybody sees them at the water cooler. They have to, they, they're making rice and beans like you did today. <laughs> and we expect them to be normal, right? We expect them to be fine. Everything's good. The blood of Jesus, blah, 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 right? And all that's true. But you don't know what people carry. That's right. I, I, this, that's part of the mission of this book is to let people know, man, you're not alone. You do not have to continue to suffer in silence. Right. Right. You know, you get judged a lot, you know, from people too. you know, they'll see you. And when you, when you react or you have this yeah. negative aura about yourself, <laughs> it's like, Oh, you're this, you're that. And da, da, da. But no one knows your story. And I, that's the part of the reason of me writing my book, because I didn't want people to go to their grave thinking, Oh, she was just such a bad person. And I remember when she did da, 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 da. Right. No to anyone that I've ever heard <laughs> in my past, in my future. Yeah. I apologize now, but the people from my past, you know, it was because of the torment I endured from family members, from, yeah. you know, yeah. everybody else in my book and the same with Chris. So, you know, I, I want people who, to who understand is, who is Chris? what people have done to us have not, that's not who we are. Right. We are not, we're not evil people yeah. <laughs> at all. Right, man. And listen, you know? let, me, let me just tell you, Nisi, because this is important to do when you get back on the air. This is important to do periodically throughout the show. This coming Friday, right? You're going to be there, right? Yeah. You're going to be dressed up? Sure. <laughs> Wear a ball gown? This coming Friday, no, not Friday, Saturday. This coming Saturday, okay. November the 19th at 7 p.m., we are having the launch party of this book. I have not given out the website. The website, I showed it to you a little bit ago, didn't I, Nisi? Yeah. How it looked? Look good. She ready. real good. She ready, ain't she? Yeah. She ready. Look, she ready. It is. She ready to take some orders. <laughs> she, she hungry right now. <laughs> she ready to take some orders. She's like, feed me, Seymour. Free me all night long. Right? <laughs> right? But this... <laughs> <laughs> this Saturday at 7 p.m., we're going live in, in, internationally. I'm inviting everybody that's on my friends list. So when you get a message from me, don't be offended, all right? I'm inviting you to our launch party, which will happen this Saturday, November the 19th at 
7 p.m. I will have none other in these studios. He'll be live in these studios. Dr. Tabari Wallace, the man who gave me my first speaking job, who I love dearly. So just wanted to put a plug in there for what we got going on. Yes, I would definitely be there. Um, and I encourage everyone to, to come to this virtual launch party. You know, if you can't make it, you know, if you can't be in his presence, look, come to the launch party virtually. It's yeah. it's going to be awesome. Yeah, and I'm, I, I'm and not I'm, coming in the ball gown. Okay, I'm and, I'm, doing. and I'm giving books away. And I, I'm giving other things away that night, too. And, you know, everybody wants something free. They so always want be, something free. Yeah, I, I'm just here for the free food. Where the chicken wings? <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring my rice and beans. <laughs> Girl, I'm so hungry. I could eat a gate post. <laughs> oh my goodness. So let me ask you, what have you learned about yourself um since you've written this book and having to endure all of the massive changes you went through? I mean, you were homeless at 11, went through group homes, um foster homes. You went through a lot. Yeah. So what have you learned today as a person having to go through all of those changes? Well, that I am a still a, I am still a work in progress. Okay. I've come a lot, mighty long way. Sometimes I find myself comparing where I am today to where I was back then, Nisi, right? And I'm just like, I'm good. I ain't nothing like that cat. <laughs> but what what the process has taught me is, is that it is a journey. And I, I describe in the book, in the chapter about mom, because, you know, I talk about the look, the longest book in the chapter is about Ruthie Plowden. Mm. Um, the longest chapter in the book. I said the longest book in the chapter. <laughs> yeah, right. I caught that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, she had me go through a Bible study with her over the 119th Psalm which is the longest set of verses in the entire Bible, right? It's like, you could like, I mean, like it could be its own Bible itself. So, right. <laughs> and I think what she was teaching me is, is that this, this is a process. It, it is not, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Mm -hmm. And she, she gave me hope that when I messed up, she, she gave me space to tweak myself, to make corrections. You know what I mean? And this flight, this life, what I've learned about myself writing this book is that, man, okay, King, you've come a mighty long way, but don't stop trying to improve. You know what I'm saying, Nisi? Mm -hmm. don't, don't, don't ever get to the point where you think this is good enough. Right. I, I always want to try to improve myself to be a better husband to be a better father, to be a better grandfather, to be a better cousin. You know what I mean? And so that's what it's taught me, man, to, to like the process of writing is painful. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the process of life getting yourself together is painful. But just don't quit because no matter the adversity, you still you can, can make still it, honey. Make it. You yep. can still make it, girl. Huh? That's right. I never thought I'd be right. I never thought I'd be fair to myself with something in literature that I put <laughs> out, yo. <laughs> I look at this mug and I see the I, the the copyright Christopher L. King. I mean, I right. published this, yo. Right. With the grace and help of it God. It feels good. It feels good. It feels like just to see your name on something so big. Instead of you instead know. of a police warrant. <laughs> <laughs> look, 
Well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I don't ever want to see your name on one of those. No. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm really proud of you. Um, that is a big accomplishment um, to, to release a book. Um, what, what have you learned as an author? First time author, what have you learned? Woo. <laughs> Am I looking skinnier, Nisi? Did my face look skinnier? Man, listen, it did. Yeah. Well, because well, I've copied off an EC since I got the flu. You know, I had the flu and I have mm-hmm. not left the house even since last Thursday. I've not left this house. Wow. So um, everything's fine except for me trying to get my stomach to quit running away from me. <laughs> Just filling the plate there. Um, but this, uh, this, uh, intermittent fasting is really, I, I just started doing it since I was sick. I said, man, let me just try something to, to reclaim this body. I got a long haul. I'm going to be giving a lot of speeches, traveling a lot, and I want to be healthy. So nonetheless, you asked, what was the, what was the lessons learned of the book? Would you say? Of, of becoming an author, yeah, first time author. The, the first time author is like sim- similar to forming my nonprofit. Right. When I formed my nonprofit back in 2009, I didn't know nothing about the nonprofit world. I didn't know nothing about taxes. I didn't know. I didn't know anything. And I didn't have a mentor. Everybody kept their cards so close to their chest. Nobody wanted to help. Now, I'm just going to I'm going to pastor for a minute. So just get uncomfortable in the pews. You know what I mean? I was a young African-American man trying to form a nonprofit to help at risk and underprivileged youth. And, and I couldn't get help to figure out how to get to the end. Well, the book has been similar because not many people do it from start to finish, right? Not many people like I have. And so the difference with this is, is that I formed a nonprofit and that's, that's great. But, this book will live in perpetuity. This is going to live. This is a legacy. What I, what I learned about writing is and putting together a book is I didn't know anything either, but there is a process to get it done. Right? So here's what I want to tell people. Google and YouTube are your friend. That's right. They're your friend. Cause, because listen, <laughs> A lot. I mean, I, I don't have anybody in my circle who has done it from start to finish. Like, I'm selling the book right from the headquarters. So I don't need nobody else but the postman to show up to deliver my packages. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't farm out. I mean, I did the cover and stuff like that. But I'm saying I didn't, I didn't, I didn't offload the work. I had to feel every ounce of pain to get this project done. And so what I've learned is that there is... A process. You cannot get frustrated when you meet roadblocks because there are plenty of roadblocks, even though there is a process. And I, I am the type of a person. You said it. I am a type of person. Like I want to write a book. Okay, da 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 da. There's the book print. I should have it. But I had a, I had a release date of seven twenty four. Seven twenty four came and went. I would. Yes, I didn't even. Did. I didn't even finish the manuscript till seven twenty four. <laughs> And then I had to give it out to, to people to tell me how terrible it was written. <laughs> <laughs> but the process, Nisi, the process, 
There is pain in the process. But I want you to understand that you can't. Boy, I'm feeling like a motivational impact guy right now. That you cannot avoid the process. That's what I learned. I said, man, as much as it's painful, I got to get it. It's like a salve. It's a medicine. And to get to the very end, I mean, like even printing, I had errors. (laughs) Even printing, I uploaded the wrong file. And I had to pay to upload another one. Right. So understanding the process. So what I would say is that we let's just talk for a second. We as a community, every I don't need everything I need to share with you. You don't have to pay for it. Now, I do want you to pay for my coaching because I I worked really hard to get that stuff together. I do want you to pay me to come speak because I haven't spoke for enough chicken dinners, you know, almost 340 events. I'm good. I don't need to become speaking for no pennies no more. But, man, if you're trying to get there, this is what I tell people. That I may not be able to light the whole fire for you, but doggone it, I can come by and fan the flames. You see, you see, Nisi? Like I, I, can, I can come by and fa- help you along the journey. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, I'm, I won't say that it wasn't all because you gave me input. Paul Katrina McCain gave me input. Greg Smith gave me input. Danny Brunson gave me input. So I took their inputs and Googled that. You know what I mean? So what they talk about on YouTube about that. So I did get bits and pieces. But when you go to the when you go to the subject matter experts, it was just like we haven't done it this way. We all of us went to a publisher, so we don't know. Sure. You know what I mean? Well, all of us went mm-hmm. to a publisher, so we didn't know. So I didn't even know how to get an ISBN number. I didn't even know how I didn't even know how to get the book in uh, copyright. I didn't know I didn't know what steps were required. Do you know the steps to get it copyrighted? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> well, look, Nisi, 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 look. Shout out to uh, Stewart Publishing. Uh, they help helping my, me. They help my girl out, right? Look, Nisi, <laughs> look, 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 look. I got it right here from the Library of Congress. I got the thing. Oh, wow. I got it from the Library of Congress, cause that I figured out how to do it. And so there and is a, there's there's pain in the process, but that's yeah. what I that's what I discovered. Next question. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so knowing all of the pain that you had to go through, the next time you decide to write a book, it'd be a little bit more easier. Do you plan on writing another one? Yes, I already have it. It's called The Head, Edge of the Huddle. It's a leadership book. But I think, okay. but I think because I'm going to be so busy with engagements and speaking around the world. Obviously, I'm going to have you travel with me some on tour. You got to get your dance routines down. You know what I mean? Going, you know what I'm saying? Two old, two, I got, I'll get it together. Two old people up there doing the WAP or whatever. Right. Breaking our hips. <laughs> but I feel like I'm going to be so, it's going to be so in demand that uh, Danny and I are writing this book collaboratively and then we're going to let it be self-published. I mean, we're going to let it be published by a publisher. Yeah. But what but my ultimate goal is to help people, right? To help people who are in the self-publishing space. And I want to help them in kind. I don't want to be charged for every little nickel and dime thing cuz that's the way I kind of felt like this process was. And so I want to help people give them some interior knowledge. I've become a subject matter expert on this and and say, "Hey man, you don't you don't need to go that route. Here's where you need to go. Here's the website." It don't cost you nothing. Just go do it. And, and yeah. I wish people would be more like that in these processes. Yeah. I wish I would have taken the time 
when I wrote my book to do what you did, you know, study a little bit more to understand how to do, you know, how to put a book together. Yeah. Um, you know, I took the easy way out, <laughs> contacted Stewart Publishing in Amherst, Ohio, and said, hey, how, you know, how do you do this? I, she said, oh, don't worry about it. We got you. Now, don't get me wrong. They were excellent. They were excellent, right. you know, but for me, it was scary. Yeah, you know what I mean? I it was scary to, to put a book together on my mm -hmm. own and I want it to be right. Yeah. So I, what way to do it by, you know, just go to someone who's professional at it and let them handle it. But I'm glad that you were able to do it and conquer what you set out to do. And look right behind you, you got books that you put together. Yeah. And you know what, Nisi, one of the things that I'll just say very quickly, cause I know I'm long winded um, is, is that, I did want to feel that pain because when I go speak now, I'll be speaking as the ultimate authority. Right. 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 Like from cradle to grave, when you hear this story, you know that I experienced every ounce of failure, setback, money lost the whole nine. Yes. And, and uh, yes. you know, that's, that's, that's kind of like what is going to inspire me when I go out here and travel on this book tour is that man, I am emboldened, that we said, no matter the adversity, you still can make it. Next question. <laughs> All right. You ready for that next question, huh? So what would you say to someone who's actually scared um, to write a story such as ours? Um, you know, again, as we said earlier, there's people who are fearful. But what would you say to someone who wants to do it but kind of wishy-washy about it. Well, that's a great question, Nisi. You des your, des your story deserves to be heard. Your story deserves to be told. Your story deserves to be manifested. And you matter. You know, for, for the people that violated you, Nisi, and the people that violated me, we didn't matter. Our feelings right. didn't matter. Our, our borders didn't matter. And so what I would tell someone who is afraid, I'm answering your question directly for change, what I would tell someone who is afraid to get out there and write their book is there is a level of fear associated with it. There, there will be rejections from those that may are maybe perpetrators that you're writing about that are still alive. There will be people that rise up and, and, you know, they want to disfellowship you because, you know, you're airing the family laundry. But at the end of the day, it is your story. It's your story. It's not his story. It's your story. And what people would like for it to become is his story. But you have got to make it your story. And you have to have courage. You have to be courageous. You have to be focused. You know what I mean? You have to know when to put it down and pick it back up. You have to realize that there's going to be ebbs and flows in the process. You wrote your book over many years, right, Nisi? You're right. I have. Yeah. So four four, about four years, four years. So so she she wrote her book over a series of years. I wrote my book over 12 months. But even in the midst of 12 months, I had all of these ebbs and flows. And as long as you're understanding what your purpose is. Right. If you have a if you have ill intent. I, exactly. You know what I mean? I don't know if God I don't know how God's going to feel about that. That's right. You know what I mean? That's right. I, I, Nisi and I both, you'll read our books and you'll see that there's no javelins being thrown, even though they they warrant it, right? Even though you would be yes. justified in doing so. But write it so that you can 
unfurl the parchment that is in your heart that can now be encased in a legacy that will last forever. Yes, I agree. Totally agree. Uh, Chris, he said it right. Um, you know, if you want to pick up a pen and paper and you want to start telling that story yeah. about whatever hurt you may have endured, um, like he said, don't do it with ill intent. You know, your heart needs to be softened. Yeah. Don't do it with a hardened heart. Um, and, wait, then you and, wait, and wait until your heart is soft. That is correct. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I've told people before, you know, pray about it. Yeah. That's the first thing you need to do before you begin to write something pertaining to something like we wrote. Yeah. You need to pray about it first. You know, um, don't just start writing because you're angry and you're like, oh, I want to make sure that everybody knows this person is like this. And this. No, no, that is not the purpose of writing a book. No, that's a that's a magazine. That's a that's a that's a <laughs> just pick, that's a text message. Exactly. Yep. That's a text message. A fi- a, what's it called? Five star or whatever that is. That's what that is. World yeah. star. That's a world star world post. Star. Yeah. World, world star. Yeah. No, that's not. Yeah, that's not that's what. That's not what. That's not what this is about. No. If you really truly want to help someone, do it with a pure heart. Yeah. Please don't do it out of anger. Uh, that's why it took me as long as it did to mm. write. You know, because there was times where I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm angry and I'm, I'm reliving, you know, what I went through. And it was like, nah, let me put this down because yeah. this is not what I want to do. This yeah. is not what I'm trying to display. That's good. Nisa. You know, I'm not trying to display that. So yes, please pray on it before you do it. Um, but let's go ahead and start to wrap this up. Besides releasing and promoting your book, um, what else do you plan on doing? Well, I plan on going to. <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna pull it off, but I'm gonna plan. <laughs> I'm planning on going to multiple cities and multiple states. Uh, you know, make multiple appearances and push the message because you know it, the message is: Hey, listen, no matter the adversity, you still can make it. But the sub message below that that nobody sees in the book is there are, there have been many millions of adults carrying around childhood hurts. There's three different there's three different types of categories of childhood hurts. And and uh, some of them are like super extreme and uh, some of them are like verbal. OK, I, I got it in my head now. There's verbal. There's physical. And then there's sexual abuse or ad, or adverse experiences. And there are some kids who've experienced all three, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, I say this in the book often, that they're at the water coolers and the cubicles and at the copier machine. And they're dealing with inner torment and they're expected to walk around like everything's cool. What mm-hmm. I'm going to challenge people to do is, man, if you're a, if you're a minister of music, if you're a pastor, if you're a leader, whatever the case may be, there's no shame in saying, "Man, I have this inner issue that's tormenting me, and I need to get help." There's no difference in that, and then you saying, "My arm is broke. I need to go get it. Get a cast." We're okay with somebody going to get a cast. We don't judge them, but when they want to, when they need counseling and they need psychiatric help, 
then we're saying, oh, well, must, they must not be qualified to minister. They must not be qualified to do this or that and the other. And the reality is, is that they're carrying for years childhood offenses. And so uh-huh. what, what I'm going to encourage people to do is, number one, uh, f- find a vehicle to let the healing process start. In some cases, it's like what we did. We wrote books. Right. And we started saying, hey, look, this is going to be an expose. This is going to be an unfurling of my heart so that way I can I can heal. I want to leave 1985. You know, I want to leave that stuff behind and I don't want to manifest the behaviors of the of the hurts of 1985. I don't want to manifest those behaviors in 2022. right? Right. So. Um, that's what, that's what my goal is. My goal is going to be out to be out here as a mouthpiece. And you know, I got a big mouth as a mouthpiece, the impact motivator to challenge people who have experienced adversity that you can overcome it. When you read this book, you're going to see like, dog, he did it, but it wasn't easy and it's continual. I want them to know, right? Nisi is continual. You got to continue to work on yourself. That's right. So that's what I'll be doing. Good, good, good. Um, so do you have any words for the people that are uh, <laughs> listening to you today? Any positive words, any positive affirmations man, that you want to share? Man, I ain't got nothing. You know, I ain't got nothing positive <laughs> to say. I always got something negative. I'm always dogging people. Uh, hold on. Hold on one second, DC, because, you know, the reality is that uh, it's so cool to finally be on the other side of the chair. Uh most of the time, I'm the one doing that closeout thing. So you did a really good job of of, uh, of uh, interviewing me. And I want to thank you for uh, taking time out of your schedule. Nisi, I know you're busy. And I, as we talked offline, we both got stuff going on that demands our attention. But I also believe that God called us with an expedited urgency to do the work that we're doing now. So my message to people is this. Failure comes in all different packages, shapes, and sizes. And if you're spiritual, the enemy would like to give you a note of discontinuation that your failure means you are no longer valuable. So what you wind up doing is you wind up pursuing being viral instead of being valuable. I want you to know that just because bad things have happened to you and because maybe you have failed, maybe you've been that hurricane like Chris King talked about. Maybe you've hurt some people along the way. There is never, ever, as long as you're breathing, an expiration date on the opportunity for you to try again. Nisi and I are not cousins by blood. We are cousins by choice. I am her foster cousin. And yet we're closer than most blood cousins are. And the reality is that we share that same value that, hey, listen, man, I know that I'm worth something. The enemy, the world, the system will try to show me and tell me that I'm not. But I know that I am. And I want you out there to know that just because you've gone through something bad doesn't mean you're not still valuable. And to walk in that value. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So let it, let us know where we can find your book. Uh, what's the social media platform? Girl, they, you? they not they not. We want to stalk you. They they can go to clkingspeaker.com or they can just look up CL King on Facebook. But they ain't gonna get the website for the book until Saturday, cause. That's right. 
that's fine. That's right. They got they look. They they gotta wait. They gotta wait till Saturday or come to the launch party. I know. Look, you want to know how to get to the launch party, man? All you gotta do is go to. I don't know where to go. I, I'll put. I'll leave it in the. I'll leave it in the in the show chat. Okay. I'll leave an invitation to the launch party. And at the launch party, we're gonna reveal the website. We're gonna unfurl everything. We're gonna show all the books. Tabari Wallace is gonna be here. We're gonna have gifts, giveaways. Nisi will be in the house. It's just gonna be live, and you gotta be there. You gotta experience it. So that's what I want to tell you. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you once again for allowing me to sit with you um, to talk to you about your new book, Who Ate My Brownie. I'm, again, super, super proud. Um, and I'm looking forward to whatever else you have going or going to happen in the future because I know you got a lot of things. Yeah, you just helped me with a television. You just helped me with a television interview. So we're about to rock this thing, girl. <laughs> so, yes, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. All right, so listen, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. I guess I'll close my own show. <laughs> but I love you, Nisi. I appreciate you. you. I thank you so much. And I hope this has been helpful for somebody out there. Um, just come tune in to the launch party. It'll be live on my page, probably live on Nisi's page and other pages around the country. Uh, we're just going to share this story about no matter the adversity. What's the rest, Nisi? You can still make it. You still can you make still it. can make That's it. That's right. Hey, however, you, however, you read, however you say it, you're going to make it. <laughs> we going to make it, girl. Make it. All right, man. I love you. Love everybody. Have a great night. Take care.